America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're in bondage, we're wearing leather, we're being slapped around a little bit, and oh, I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, American Sex, with Ken Melvoin Berg and Sonny Megatron. Ken, do you know what month it is? It's September. Yeah! Do you know what happened 30 years ago this month in 1987? I joined the military. Yes. What else? Um, first episode of Star Trek The Next Generation happened and changed the world. Ooh, you're good. Um, let's see. Whitney Houston's Didn't We Almost Have It All went number one on the pop charts. Ken. Number one on the pop charts. You know what that, I'm Gazy Gaysom. You know what that song's about? Is, you know, it's about fisting, actually, because it's, you know, when we you, almost have it all except for the thumb. Exactly. Yeah. What else happened, Ken? Oh, the Princess Bride won the People's Choice Award at the 12th Annual TIFF, the uh, Toronto International Film Festival, which is kind of awesome, especially because that's one of my favorite movies. That's my sick movie, by the way, that and Indiana Jones. The first oh, Indiana like Jones when you you have a fever and you get that's a little I ice watched, pack yeah, on yeah, your head. I become a little sissy and like watch Princess Bride. Oh, well, you know what else happened? 30 years ago this month in 1987, the very first Castle Megastore opened its doors. Now, if you haven't been in a Castle Megastore, it's kind of like if you were to turn Costco into a sex toy slash adult extravaganza. They've got lingerie and sexy clothes and porno DVDs and BDSM equipment. I mean, anything you can imagine for your dirty needs, they have it to celebrate their 30th anniversary and to thank all of the wonderful customers over the years that have supported them for the last three decades. Castle Megastore is having a huge giveaway. They're giving away 102 prizes from adult companies like WeVibe, Fun Factory, Clandestine Devices, System Joe, Jopin, and Lalo. And each of those prizes are valued at $100 each. So here's how it works. How you can enter is every purchase you make from either in-store, in Castle Megastore, or online at castlemegastore.com throughout the month of September 2017 automatically enters you in the contest. And at the end of the month, six winners from each location and six winners from online purchases will be picked. So that's over a 100 prizes. And to make it even better, there's a ton of stuff on sale. All month long, they have 30 toys for $30 each. They also have in-store deals like panties, 10 pairs for $30, and five DVDs for $30. That's dirt cheap. Yeah, and they also are having weekly deals too, which I think are kind of cool. So each week, different things are discounted. And we have the goods for you for the first week of September. That's September 1st through September 7th. You can get 30% off Spank Provocateur Bed Coupler Restraint System and 30% off all in-store purchases of Leg Avenue Hosiery, which is awesome. And then each week you got to wait to see what's going to be revealed. And lucky for you, on our next episode, we will tell you what they have on sale. Uh, and we'll be sure not only next week, but every week this month to tell you what Castle has on special for their 30th anniversary on that specific week. We'll also put all of the details of this Castle Megastore's anniversary sales and giveaways in the show notes for this episode, both on SunnyMegatron.com and at AmericanSexPodcast.com. Because, I mean, this is a lot to remember. And, you know, like, what if you're driving or something and you're like trying to write this down and then you're driving crooked and you might have an accident and we care about you and we want you to be safe. So just, hey, Chill out, wait till you get home, pull up the show notes, all the stuff's there. I used to jack off in the car. <laughs> You're like, my cat's breath smells like cat, <laughs> cat food. <laughs> so- <laughs> I, was be- I would come back and forth from KISR Air Force Base over the Mackinac Bridge. And the entire time I was on the bridge, I felt it was okay to jack off because nobody would be looking. They were so scared because it's really high up. They were looking over the edge. They were not worried about the young airman in the car next to them masturbating in his white Monte Carlo. So it wasn't for you? It wasn't the Mackinac Bridge? It was the Jackanoff Bridge? <laughs> totally the Jackanoff Bridge. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Forgot something. So back to Castle Megastore. Friends of 
Ken and Sonny's, our friends of Castle Megastore, not only during September, every month of the year, because if you make an online purchase at CastleMegastore.com anytime, you get 20% off if you use the code SUNNY. That's S-U-N-N-Y. So if you make sure to use that code this month, not only do you shave, save your 20%, you're getting entered in the contest. So use that coupon code. Listeners, we are really excited about this week's guest. But before before we start talking, let me set the scene for you. So you remember June of 2015. That was the month that same-sex marriage was legalized in the United States. And it was a huge victory. Plus, it was during Pride Month. So I remember there being this collective celebratory vibe going on that seemed to last for months. So everyone's like, you know, this is great. We're on the right side of history now. The government has our back. And uh, those bigoted naysayers are now going to be, you know, on the right side of history. They're going to be forced to be whether they like it or not. And we're all happy. But now, enter Kim Davis. Now, she's a county clerk in Rowan County, Kentucky, and she refused to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples, claiming that she was, quote, acting under God's authority. She also refused to allow her deputy clerks to issue marriage licenses due to her own religious beliefs. So there's a lot of legal back and forth. The ACLU gets involved. You know, same-sex couples start suing, and a court order gets issued that is supposed to force Kim and her office to grant these marriage licenses to anybody, everybody. And she still refused, gets thrown in jail for six days. And here is where the plot thickens. And this week's American Sex Podcast guest enters the scene, Mark Schraber and his fiance, Alan. Now, Mark is a freelance writer whose work has appeared in Cosmopolitan, Jezebel, Vice, The Daily Dot, The Owl, among others. And most recently, he was the deputy editor of Life Vertical at Uproxx. So in late summer of 2015, Mark had been living in San Francisco for, what, 20-some-odd years, had been with his partner, Alan, for years and years. They had just gotten engaged the month before, and Mark... Hi. Yes. Hi. <laughs> so what goes through your head when you first get wind, whether, you know, on TV, I'm here I don't too, know. by the way. Acknowledge me, oh, woman. Oh, Ken, I love you. <laughs> Mark loves you, too. <laughs> love you guys. Oh. Love you, too. Guess what kind of underpants I'm wearing, Mark? Oh, my gosh. I imagine that they have unicorns or rubber chickens on them, possibly both uh, in compromising positions. Oh my god, I so want those now. I'm going to the t-shirt shop and I think that's what I'm at. Like the answer is no underwear, but like I'm, I'm, what are you looking at? Oh, I thought you had, like your dick was hanging out. You're wearing no, shorts. No, 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 I have commando. shorts. I just don't have any okay. underwear on. <laughs> but I want the ones that Mark described. What goes through your head when you first get wind of this Ken, Kim Davis thing? What are you thinking? Uh, well, the first thing I thought was that's a lot of denim because she favored a lot of like denim skirts at the time. And the first thing I noticed about her, I was like, girl, talking about crimes against nature, that skirt. And I, I wrote a really funny article about her, I think, just like, who is this woman? This is terrible. Obviously, I was very hurt on the inside. And then I noticed that it was actually being taken really seriously. I did not expect it to get as big as it did. Really? No. I thought she'd just kind of do it for a second, like some of the other county clerks, and then be like, I've had my 15 minutes, people have seen me, and kind of go back to doing whatever. Well, she almost seemed to become like a big, mar- like her up on the podium, like, you remember that, Ken, right? Yeah, I do, and I, I also remember that she was part of the Democratic Party to begin with, and then she converted over to being a Republican because they enforced her worldview. Um, and it was surprising to me that somebody who was a Democrat would actually have the views that she had. That surprised a lot of people in Moorhead, actually. A lot of the people that I talked to, and again, I want to point out that the place this happened is a town called Moorhead. And so it's like... (laughs) I just got that right now. I'm disappointed in myself. And that could not be more ironic. It could not be, like, and the people, they also, like, their their two attractions are, like, Lick and Lake, I think, and, like, Twin Knob Recreational Area, something like that. And all of the locals I talked to when I was down there were like, it's so weird that we're doing this in a town called Moorhead. That's amazing. I don't know. The the whole thing was just, the whole premise was so ridiculous. It would be like somebody saying, I want sushi for dinner, and somebody else saying, no, I like pizza, but 
I'm not going for pizza. I want sushi. Exactly. You know, you, you, it was it was really strange that she took a stance. Uh, many people actually pointed out that she had been very reasonable. I talked to several uh, members of the LGBT community in town. Uh, definitely one man who actually like knew her. Who, when stuff happened to his mom, uh, she was kind to him, and he'd always seen her. And so he was really surprised that she was coming out against this. I think that what you said, Sonny, is that there may have been a little bit of the martyrdom going on. And I think throughout the entire thing, I felt more sorry for her than anything else, because I think she had started what she thought would be just like a stand and go back to doing stuff. And then the lawyers came in and promised her so much that it was almost like she was coasting off of all the fame. Do, do you think that there was possibly political ambition, you know, even, the, even if it might have been small for her to get something a little bit larger than what her original elected position I, was? I don't think so. I think she had one of, like, the best jobs in town, and Moorhead was really important to her. Like, her family had been there for a while. They were a well-known family. What they got in Moorhead, which she was being paid in Moorhead, was amazing. I'd like to be paid in uh, Moorhead. For living that town. I don't think she wanted to go anywhere bigger. She was a big fish in a in a little pond. Well, she was a fish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She was certainly a fish. Oh my goodness. So you are, are writing this article about Kim Davis and Denim, and suddenly you and Alan ended up in Moorhead, Kentucky. How did that transpire? Did you just turn to him and be like, let's go, or what happened? Okay, so this is going to be, um, Alan and I had just been to like a really terrible wedding, and on the way home, I said to him, Alan, you know what, we could have a much better wedding, right? We should get married. And uh, he was like, new number, who's this? And I was like, okay, so you don't want to get married? And he said, I absolutely want to get married. And I started looking at stuff. We wanted to get married in Las Vegas. We absolutely love Las Vegas. It's where we met. Yeah, we uh, met in Las Vegas. We, oh my God, we had the best time in Las Vegas. <laughs> And we started looking at stuff and everything was really expensive. So we decided, you know what, let's put it off. I had this whole thing where I, I actually needed to be married in September 2015 because of like my like very mild OCD about numbers. And I've been covering Kim Davis for a while and we put our engage on our wedding kind of on hold. I've been covering her for a while and I think about three months into covering her, I said, you know what? Why not go and get married where it may be really, really meaningful? Why not elope to Kentucky? Kentucky's for lovers. <laughs> so you elope to Kentucky and show up in Moorhead. Well, first of all, what did Alan think of that? Was he like, you're out of your mind or... So the idea to actually write the story partially came to me first. I wanted to get married there, but I really wanted to go down to Moorhead because by everything that I'd read about it, it seemed like a really lovely, actually liberal town. And I was surprised that this was going on down there. And I was thinking, how can I, like, I want to go down there. I want to tell the story of Moorhead. I want to know what it's actually like. And then I thought, you know what? I also want to get married in Moorhead because this is a really great way to take a stand. It's a really great way to join the people who are already fighting, David Moore, David Ermold, um, April Miller, who was uh, who filed the lawsuit against Kim Davis. I, I wanted to be supportive of that, too. And I said, listen, I'm going to go write a story about the people. But also, it really mean a lot to me to get my marriage license in Kentucky. Well, and I can tell you why, if you want to know why also. Yeah, we would love to hear why. I wasn't eloquent when somebody asked me about this, actually, when I was getting married, uh, because it was terrifying. There was like a crush of cameras on me. And then some dude saying, like, don't you think that it's disrespectful to the couples who have already tried so hard to get licenses here? And uh, I want to give shout outs. I'm going to give shout outs like several times to David Ermold, uh, David Moore, April Miller and her partner. One of the things that was really important to me is like they were doing a lot of the groundwork. Uh, the reason that I decided to get married in Kentucky is because I think marriage is for everyone. No one owns marriage and nobody questions somebody when they say, I want to get married in San Diego or I want to get married in Las Vegas. I want to get married in Paris uh, because it's just it's one of those things that you do. And so. I think why not get married in Moorhead, Kentucky, if you have the legal right to? Uh, why not get married in Alabama, in Mississippi, uh, in places where maybe gay marriage isn't as acceptable, right? Why not get married there to show people that 
we're going to be where we want to be, we have just as much right to be here as anyone else. Absolutely. Uh, mar- marriage isn't own it doesn't belong to anyone. And April Miller actually told me that when she saw that I got married there, I, I called her and I said, what do you think about the fact that I got married before you did? Are you hurt? What's going on? Like, I'm sorry. Um, that was part of the interviews I did. And she said, no, I'm happy that people are coming. I want people to be coming in and getting married in Moorhead, Kentucky. I saw a couple and they just got married the other day. And I ran out of my car and I hugged them because we want people to be coming in maybe at the same rate as people who are coming into protest to show that actually all of this is okay and that love is not illegal. And so that was important to me. And I'm really proud of the fact that we did that. So you, you arrive, right? You arrive mm-hmm. in Kentucky and it's like, you're, you're not in San Francisco anymore. You're not in Kansas no. anymore. Kansas might be like in Kentucky. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I was trying to sound cheeky. It didn't work. So everything's black and white. There's a cyclone. Yes. Okay. So you get to the place where you have no more color. Everything's black and white and there's a cyclone. And what was it like? Was it how people stereotypically think of the South, like Confederate flags? And was Moorhead like that? Moorhead was not like that. I want to stress that Moorhead is a really, really lovely place full of really nice, wonderful people. Every person that we met was so welcoming, so open. We had people run up to us in the street and say, what are you doing? And we were like, we're going to get married. And people were just so happy for us. One of the proprietors at the Fuzzy Duck Marge, I guess she's the proprietor. She's famous. She told us to be careful in Carter County. And I didn't, I didn't know why, because I was like, I've already gotten my story. Everybody here is so nice, uh, so wonderful, so accommodating. The university there has a high LGBT friendliness index. They have a really strong, it's called Alliance, which is like their LGBT organization. And Moorhead was amazing and lovely, and you can even get gluten-free options there, which is very important. Wow, that's that's incredibly amazing. Like the, the true South, I believe, is all about manners and good food, and yeah. like anybody's outward appearance, fuck that. <laughs> I, I, I think so, too. And I was like, I was really surprised. That was one of my biggest surprises. Carter County, where Kim Davis was being held, uh, was very different. Uh, where we went to the rally for her, it was very different. Uh, it was one of the places that I, I felt actually scared. I don't know how often we feel truly terrified. And being in Carter County, County with all of the Confederate flags, uh, with so many people toting guns, uh, with so many people actually talking, uh, actively hating Uh, putting things on their cars about like gay no way and bags go home and all of that kind of stuff i actually was on the verge of a panic attack almost the entire time i was there and in fact my brother told me that it would be best if i didn't talk while we were in carter county because it didn't feel like the right place to take a stand and be like i'm here i'm queer you know, get yeah, it, used to it, it almost sounds like Chechnya, and I'm not even making light. It sounds like the stuff that's going on in Chechnya right now, like just it's, extreme homophobia. It's, it's, I, I wouldn't, the stuff going on in Chechnya is, is so terrible. I hesitate to compare anything to it, but it was certainly, it was certainly a situation where I was, frightened where i was like this is not the time uh to act up and be loud and proud and show people like you know that you're uh you're gay uh i thought that a lot of the stereotypes that i saw there only existed in movies and when we were at the walgreens buying supplies a a woman just like a grandma sort in like a puppy sweater i believe she was wearing was screaming to the cashier about all the horrible things they were doing to christians and i made a move towards her to be like listen lady nobody's doing anything to you and both alan and my brother stopped me because they're like no this is scary don't this is somebody who actually believes this this is not fiction and it would be dangerous to go and confront her because you don't know how many people are behind her it up until this point in your life had you ever been in any situation or any place that you have experienced this much hate just for being i i hadn't i when I was four years old in Moldova, my mom and I accidentally ran through uh, a rally that was uh, people tearing down the police office and trying to get to the police inside. And that was hateful, and it was terrible, and it was frightening. And I, it's one of those things that I still think about sometimes. Like, I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm <gasps> because I'm like, I'm a four-year-old being, you know, almost killed. Wow. Um, and until this, I had never felt something like that before. The, the rally that we went to, it was... I. 
I don't want to call it hatred because I don't think a lot of people actually knew a gay person right. um, or didn't understand them at all. I think there was a lot of ignorance. And I think oftentimes when we talk about homophobia, we say, well, why do you say homophobia? Like it's not somebody's not scared of them. They're disgusted. And I think that a lot of people here were actually actively frightened by what it would mean if homosexuals had equal rights. They were just as scared as they were angry. Culturally, uh, you're you're Jewish. Like, I know you don't yes. practice the religion currently, but culturally, you're Jewish. Do you think that all of the anti-Semitism, along with the homophobia, was had anything, did anybody even get us, like, was you being Jewish on the radar at that point to anybody, or was the homophobia so, like, intense that it sort of overshadowed everything else? I don't think any, I think that there was no, I didn't feel anti-Semitism as I felt like anybody who didn't embrace Christianity was the enemy there. I think it wouldn't have mattered if I were Jewish or an atheist or I, I definitely think it would have mattered if I had been Muslim. Uh, but I don't think Jewish was on their radar. I think that it was really like whether you're a friend of Christ or whether you'll be burning in hell at some point. And beyond the homosexuality and the non-Christianity, I think other things didn't register. It wasn't that nuanced. Did, did it However, just seeing the homophobia, the rampant homophobia yeah. that you had never seen before, did that put things in perspective? Not only, you know, in 2015, but now I'm sure if you look at it through a 2017 lens with we just went through Charlottesville and did that put things in perspective for more of, I guess, a bigger picture about what intolerance we have going on here in our country? Uh, it definitely put it in stark relief. And uh, it's something that I have to grapple with. I often have to grapple. Uh, with my own privilege. And I definitely think about my white privilege. I think about my male privilege. Uh, as I mentioned, I recently got surgery so I can see now and I'm not considered disabled. And I'm thinking about like, what does that mean for me that all this time I've been disabled and now I have this whole able-bodied privilege going on too. Uh, but one of the things I don't think about is the privilege I have of being in a big city where I may experience homophobia once in a while, but it's never actually dangerous, it feels like, or could be killer. And seeing the people in in Carter County made me realize that we need to take all of these people seriously. We need to take small movements of hatred as seriously as if they were becoming as if they were large ones because if they are left unchecked, if people don't say we need to stop this right now, suddenly people are going to be taking them more seriously. I, I think a lot about that video, the GQ video, you saw the video on GQ, of the white mm -hmm. supremacist being filmed and him taking off his shirt at, at the uh, rally in Virginia and him taking off his shirt and saying, no, no, stop filming me. I'm not a white supremacist. I'm not a white supremacist. And the guy interviews him and he says, so you're not a white supremacist. And he says, well, the idea is fun. Like, it's a fun idea. And like, that terrifies me. This idea that it's a fun idea for some people. So they're not going to be outwardly anti-Semitic, outwardly racist. But if they notice other people are doing it, they'll kind of go along with it. Say it's a joke if it doesn't work out. But people start taking it seriously and it creates influence then these people are going to be like i wasn't actually joking i wasn't actually joking and right. so i think that it's important to stop this kind of hatred immediately and i was i really wish there were more people protesting in kentucky because what was going on there is a microcosm this stuff happens all over the country and it made it really real to me because uh, as somebody who lives in a big city and one that's known for being so incredibly accepting i I sometimes forget about the fact that other people don't have it as good, that for other people, what I did could have been uh, a death sentence, or it could have been them not being able to talk to their families anymore. Uh -huh. And so it really makes me think about that and put that into perspective. So a lot of what you just said, you know, the, those were the, the fine, wise words of someone who sounds like an activist. So at the time when you did this, did you consider yourself an activist or do you even consider yourself an activist now? No, no, absolutely not. Uh, I actually, I have a lot of struggle with the word activism. I, you know, I'm an immigrant. I came from Moldova. Um, my parents uh, joke that by the time they figured out what the flags in San Francisco were all about, it was too late. Oh, no. And <laughs> the rainbow flags. And it's, I, I come from a family that was not accepting of my homosexuality. I mean, my parents were incredibly embarrassed. Uh, they were, they, I'm not going to say they were hateful. They were definitely ignorant. 
uh, about it. And I know growing up that homosexuals, that other minorities, trans people also was a huge one. Other races were looked down upon and mocked. Uh, homosexuals, like my parents would take people to the Castro in their cars when people came to town from other cities to show them, look, here's the homosexuals. Here's, here's the, the zoo on parade. And I, I would be sitting in the back seat just being like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. I hope these feelings are temporary, just like my sixth grade teacher said, because it would be awful to be gay. And I struggled with internalized homophobia. I still struggle with it because of the way that I was raised, that it's not okay to be gay, that it's somehow less, and that if any sign of femininity is embarrassing and terrible and it makes you less of a person. I used to hate drag for this very reason because I, my parents very much hated men who dressed like women because the idea was that all gays want to be the opposite sex. So there was not a lot of nuance in my family. And so like I loathed drag and hated it and was terrified of it for so long because these were exactly the kind of people that my parents were warning me not to become. And it's only in the past couple of years that I've really been grappling with my own internalized homophobia phobia and saying, wow, there's a lot of self-loathing going on. Wow. I mean, that really makes me want to ask one question. Do you really yeah. have the cheekbones for drag? <laughs> I don't have the cheekbones and I don't have the confidence for it. One day, maybe all I have is a really great drag name. What is your drag name? Uh, my drag name, and it has to be said like this, is Serenity Now! <laughs> yes, Ken says that <laughs> all the time. Yeah, I do. I like. I not only do I love that show, but I do scream that genuinely at the top of my voice at least once oh. every three days, like clock. I I, I, so, I love that saying. Yeah. Oh, that that's awesome. You you know, at some point we we need to get uh, Sister Roma on the show. Mm-hmm. Like one of oh the my sisters gosh. of perpetual. No, that's one of the things. Would you ever be one of the sisters? Would I ever be one of the sisters? Yes. I, I, I don't think so. Not because I have any problems with the sisters. I just, you asked me about being an activist, and uh, that's a level of community involvement that's so incredibly inspirational and aspirational. I just, I don't know if I'm cut out for it, unfortunately. Really? And that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a little tip for our listeners. Go, it's your homework. Go Google the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence so you can oh see my God. Exactly, exactly what we're talking about. Um, and they're everywhere. They were at the Kentucky, uh, they were at Moorhead Pride. Oh, that's uh, amazing. Year. So this is the, probably the single most important question of this podcast. Yes. Did you either get or give head in Moorhead? Uh, I wish. <laughs> um, my husband told me not to say anything embarrassing on the show. Um, but I mean, I've written for Cosmopolitan about fucking a pizza, so I don't know uh, <laughs> what the line is on embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> Castle Megastore. Once you see their sex toys, you'll want more. I have no idea if Castle Megastore actually has a theme song, but I really dig Castle Megastore. So that's my gift to you, Castle, your very own theme song. And you listeners get a gift too. If you go to CastleMegastore.com and use discount code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, when you check out, you will receive 20% off your order. That's amazing. Castle mega store when you get your sex toys you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money you'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like oh my god give me water that was the best orgasm ever listeners i want to get a little warm and fuzzy with you and give you our heartfelt thanks for making this podcasting journey so rewarding seriously ken and i are having such a great time doing this i don't think we anticipated it would be this much fun and we're only a few episodes in we want to keep growing this podcast for you and bringing on fun guests and there's one way we can do that well one by growing our audience and growing it quickly and you can help do that by giving us itunes ratings and subscriptions if you're an android user just like download it on your PC and do it. That's how podcasts are judged, basically, is by their iTunes ratings. And we have a little incentive for you. So we're having a giveaway all month of September. What you do is you go on to iTunes, give us that review, take a screenshot of it, subscribe, take a screenshot of that, send those screenshots to Podcast at gmail.com. Everyone who does that during September is entered in a giveaway to win 
a Fun Factory Darling Devil Silicone Vibrator. Now, I just got sent this one for me personally and one as a giveaway. And if you go on our social media, you can see a little video I did with it. And it's kind of awesome. And I want you to win it. And by the way, you don't have to give us five-star reviews. You can be like, you two fucking suck, and you're still entered in the contest. You still might win the vibrator. So please go ahead and get your entries in during the month of September, and uh, we'll love you forever. Then, boom, there you go. So you were fucking a pizza. Is that, is that correct? <laughs> what happened is that we got married immediately after the rally in Carter County, and we got married actually back in Moorhead on Moorhead State University uh, property um, right before I had to do an interview. And my brother kept having to tell me, like, Mark, stop being shell-shocked, right? Stop looking traumatized. Stop looking terrified. And the reality is that I had been terrified. I realized then about the bias that I held and the fact that I could leave Kentucky at any time and that for me I could go back to San Francisco and enjoy the accolades of getting married and all of that stuff but there were people who had to continue living there there were people who were going to continue being discriminated against there were people for whom this would continue being their reality unless we all continue changing and moving things and so I was really kind of traumatized by that and thinking about that and it's grappling with my own privilege and bias when it comes to that and terrified and the pictures we 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 brought it out for the pictures, but we had to be coaxed. Like, we had to be promised dinner and stuff. And then I had to go to another interview, and then we came back for dinner, and then we had champagne, and I was like, Alan, do you want to have sex? It's our wedding night. Do you want to get it on? And Alan said yes, and then as I was turning off the lights, he fell asleep. <laughs> you know, that's common, though. I, I've heard statistically, like, more people just pass out and, and fall asleep on their wedding night than actually have sex, so... You know, it's it's an ideal. We went to tradition. I, I read that survey too, and then I felt better about it because I was like, "Oh my god, we just got married. We should be having the best sex of our lives." Or after like, he fell asleep, you could have just ordered a pizza and fucked it. Uh, I could have, and <laughs> uh, don't think it's something I didn't consider. Okay, uh, <laughs> because I like to try all different cuisines, uh, but there was nothing open at that time. It was it was really. I don't know, Ken, if this is going to be helpful and if it's going to be as good as giving head. But uh, when we fell asleep that night, we fell asleep holding hands. And I think that's good enough Aww, for me. That is definitely good enough. <laughs> that's pretty damn sweet. But I want to go back, though, because now we're in like Happy Land Pizza, which we're, yeah. I like to stay in Happy Land Pizza fucking land. But I want to go back to the rally because yeah. I saw. So for our listeners, I'll put in the show notes there. You wrote a great piece about your experience in Kentucky. And there's also a short little like three and a half minute video that takes people through exactly what happened and the visuals of the rally really stuck with me there's mike huckabee's up there and all these other people and kim davis is up there in her you know denim attire or whatever she was wearing right. and she i want to say i have like visuals of her like actually putting her hand on her head looking like she was going to collapse and you know just all, they were playing eye of the tiger and yes. there's a huge crowd of people and some of them had signs you know adam and eve not adam and C but a lot of them had these big white crosses. So it's just this sea right. of hands holding these big white crosses. What the heck was that really like being there for you? What was it like? First of all, I cannot overstate how much Mike Huckabee overstated how many people there were. Uh, they talked about there being like millions of people. And I think there was a more at most like 1500 people there in the heat. And my first thought was like, why isn't everyone at work? It's a Wednesday afternoon or something. It was a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon. I was like, Monday was it was one of those it was a Tuesday and I was like why are you people not at work like did you guys get out of work to come to this rally and stand in the heat I'm working uh one of the things I really wish there had been more of uh, a pro-gay contingent there I think that it's the first time I've experienced something where people were actively against me and that was terrifying again with this whole like mark don't speak situation or mark don't get into anybody's face situation and i was actually i was actually giving carter the benefit of the doubt because it seems like a cool talent they have a tanning salon and video par a tanning salon and video parlor uh like together and i was like that's a good town like if you can put those things together and uh i, I would definitely go and and 
then I was walking and I started talking to a woman who was standing on the side of the road with her baby in the heat uh, with a sign that was just like, she's in the video. Uh, it was a sign about equality. And I stopped and I said like, hey, all of these people are bust in, right? And she said, no, most of these people are from here. This is what Carter County is really like. If you're different, if you're gay, if you're any member of the LGBT community, you're going to get shunned. You are in danger. Like, these are the people who live here. They are ignorant. And so that really scared me. Not just these are like bust in bigots that came from all over the place that so many of the people actually lived in Carter County. Being at the rally was terrifying. It was edifying. It was really, I think, the first time for me that I thought about the concept of fake news. Yes. Uh, So there was all sorts of lying going on. So for instance, Casey Davis, no relation. He was the other county clerk from another county. I think his name's Casey Davis. His last name's also Davis. He was a clerk from another county who refused the same thing. He was there. He asked everybody to take out a dollar. And he said, with all of this money, if we collect all of these dollars, we could call a special session of the Senate and they can pardon Kim. And I was like, well, that's not true. But everybody believed it. People said like, you know, Kim Davis is going to be on the cover of history books and people were really believing this that kim davis was such a martyr that one point we were going to have her like you know in this collage of like the most important things in america we have like george washington we have martin luther king uh we have obama we have clinton and then just like next to them is kim davis and denim just doing her thing wow Uh, And then also, there was a whole thing about Mike Huckabee came out. I think it was Mike Huckabee. I have to look at it again. But it went to a really weird place about slavery, uh, where one of the speakers said that Christians had been tricked into slavery in America. Like, they'd been tricked into being slave owners. What? Uh, What? Yes, that they've been tricked into being slave owners. Now it's the end of being like, okay, this is what everybody's going to say no. But people were clapping and that they weren't going to be tricked again with this whole gay thing. And I was like, I don't know how you're equating these two. I don't even ter- see how that makes sense. <laughs> like, I, I like, mean, there's multiple levels. There's literally zero logic there. It's comparing apples to oranges. It's not even comparing apples to oranges because both of those things are fruit. So, so was it us Jews that made the Christians take the blacks as slaves? Is that is that what they're insinuating? Here's the thing. It wasn't explained. Like, you know, it was the gay Dutch that did it. Like, it wasn't explained. It was just one of these things that somebody said and people ran with and were actually talking about. Like, suddenly they were absolving themselves of slavery while also talking about how cool it is to make sure gays couldn't get married. And it's the first time that I saw, like, a large group of people not thinking for themselves, but just going with anything that the speaker was talking about and really believing it. And that was particularly terrifying to me. In, in, for some reason, churches are not taxed. Like, this is something. No. Yeah, there's, there's a lot there that I can't even explain. So, so you're at this rally and, you know, all this unbelievable stuff is going on. You're in this sea of people that yeah. you know, want you to just not exist, be wiped off of the face of the earth. And then boom, now happy time, wedding time. And you go and get married. Was it, was it difficult? Like, did you bring someone to, to marry or did you hire someone to be an officiant? Like, was that easy? Nobody was going to do it. Really? Nobody was going to do it. No, in fact, we tried to get Doc Blevins. I believe Doc Blevins is the mayor, but I'd have to check on that. We got uh, like the main official. Uh, he may have been the main uh, justice. Uh, we tried to get him to marry us and he said he'd stopped marrying as soon as this equal rights thing came up because he just didn't have the time for it. I don't know if I believe that. What? Um, And then we tried at churches. Nobody picked up our call. And uh, then we also tried officiants in the the area. But unfortunately, nobody was there to do it. Um, My brother didn't want to do it because he was was taking video. And so we actually ended up uh, using our videographer. So your videographer got ordained and married you? Yes. Uh, my brother was taking a uh, second video, and my video uh, videographer, Haley Carl, fantastic, came down with us, got ordained, and I think my brother was shooting while she actually did the marrying. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. So when it when it finally happened and you you were married, it's supposed to be happy, but I know you said that, you know, that you looked a little shell-shocked. Yeah. Could could you be happy? Like or was it a mix of emotions? How were you feeling? It was it was a mix of emotions. I think like I said, I was I was really happy that I was getting married. I was really happy that I was going to be able to, you know, make my union with my husband legit. I wasn't as happy as I could have been because of all of the other stuff that was going on. Uh, because of the fact that I realized that, um, that this stuff was real and it was happening all around the country. Wow. So it was kind of a sobering reality check in the midst of the happiest day of your life or what should be the happiest day of your life. But looking back now, does the day take on a new meaning or is it still just a, a jumbled mix of opposing feelings? And it's a it's a hard question. I mean, like, who isn't nervous on their wedding day? Right. And thinking like, oh, my God, am I making the right decision? Am I doing all this stuff? So there was part of that. Although very little, uh, there was all of, there was the, I'm so happy. I love this person. We're getting married. That was good. There was the like sobering stuff. And like, even now when I think about it, I think it's just a huge, a huge blur for me, Sonny. I think that I remember it happening. I have the video of it, but I think that the event was much more, uh, it had much more of an effect on me than I let on uh, right. because I usually try not to like let things phase me. And I think still I have a lot of really conflicted feelings. I think a lot of my conflicting feelings as well were from, um, I will tell you that, you know, I really want to give credit to David Moore and David Ermold and April Miller and her partner because they really started this fight going. They really brought it to the national level. You've been back since yes you've been back yes. for the what twice i've been back i've been back once okay. i went back for pride uh they actually had two prides i think that one of the coolest things that kim davis did and she didn't think that she would i don't think she ever had any thought about this but she put the she put kentucky on the map for this like she put morehead on the map she made it so people couldn't be in a don't ask don't tell situation anymore which is what i've been told is what the town had actually been like before right that um you know you knew some people were gay but you didn't talk about it and in fact one woman broke down to tears when i was talking to her and said like hey um i wish i could support my friends publicly but if i do i might i i might lose my job uh, i think things are different now a little bit at least i went back to the first pride and they actually had two prides uh the first was very much like a san francisco pride situation i was a little bit worried uh there was a woman there that i was a little bit worried about she was marrying like a pink twin set and uh she had like a beehive and i was like oh shit something's about to go down because and, and she was buying t-shirts that were like burly bear t-shirts that had dudes on them like you know hugging and kissing there was uh, i think uh, a whole bunch of organizations from kentucky that helped everybody from like you know parents of gay teens to parents of trans teens uh clothing companies they of course have like the sexy jock strap like uh display all of that stuff was there. It was really amazing. There was even like, there was one hate preacher, uh-huh. which was so different from when we'd been there before. Like when I was leaving Kentucky and a guy tried to talk to me and tell me I was going to be burning in hell. He was the only one there. He was the only one there. And the people had surrounded him. There was a sister of perpetual indulgence. There were some disciples. There was all of this stuff. And they had surrounded him and kind of drowned him out. And when he got too hot, because it is very hot in Kentucky, when he got too hot, they actually gave him water. Like, to show, like, listen, we were... I think it's one of those things that people say about gay people, like, hate the sin, love the sinner. And it was the right. same kind of thing here, that it was like, we hate what you're doing, but we're not going to let you get heat stroke right. while you're out here talking. You're um, still a human that. being, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there was another pride, too. Uh, on the other side, there was a, a rural pride that was very much not about, like, the it gets better type situation where you leave your small town and go to a big city. But very much about, like, if you're gay and you live in a rural area, this is a place for you, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no reason that you have to move out into the big city. That if you're gay, you should be able to find a place in rural America if that's what you love, if that's where you love being. And for me, being from the big city... I was all biased at first being like, everybody should move to the big city. Yeah, who likes cornfields? Who likes the Piggly Wiggly or whatever yes. they have? I don't even know. <laughs> I can't get a pizza to fuck after 10 p.m., you yeah. guys. This is, 
this is disgraceful. But the reality is that there are many people who would look at my lifestyle and say, like, oh, that's just too much. Like, or I don't like it. Or you're too superficial. Like, I love living in a rural area. And there's no reason that people who love that should have to leave it. And I think that pride, um, I think both prides are really important. The first one to kind of show, like, here's a progressive pride looks like. Be out and be loud and be proud. And the second one saying, like, you know, you have a place in rural America. You deserve to be here just as much as anyone else. Right. And I, I think that's a, you know, that's a kind of a nice full circle to this is don't tell these people, hey, move to the big city or get out of where you are because it's it's like saying everyone wants to shun you and just go ahead mm-hmm. and leave. No, you have just as much right to live where you want to live, to be who you want to be, to not... Because you're LGBTQ, you have to be a big city, you know, that's right. Yeah. But I have that, I have that value judgment. Like, I mean, like it's, it's something that I would tell anyone in a small town, listen, you can grow up and go to Louisville. You can grow up and go to San Francisco. You can grow up and go to New York. Uh, you know, uh, you can go to Chicago, but the reality is that's a lot of assumption and projection on my part. Right. Because it's not it's not the small city that people don't like. It's the fact that people aren't being accepting. And so having these people there and having them doing this groundbreaking work and saying, you, you really need to recognize that you belong here just about as much as anyone else uh, is really important. I know there are other organizations that are helping to do, uh, to do that all across the country, but this pride, I think organized by Car- Carmen Wampler Collins is, it was just such an inspiration, just like you can be here. It was yeah. much more of like homey and rustic. Right. You oh. don't think homey and rustic when you think pride. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little wooden geese and little outfits. That's yeah. country, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know there was a lot of potato salads and hand-rolled cigarettes, so it was actually a really nice event. Sonny, you used to live in Chesterton, Indiana. Yeah. They, they don't have a pride parade there, but they have a Dorothy parade, don't they? Yeah, no, they, I, I, uh, Chesterton, Indiana is about an hour outside of Chicago. So I still worked mm-hmm. in the city and I thought, oh, real estate's cheap. I'm going to live out there, live there for six years. Biggest mistake of my life. But no, they didn't have a pride parade and even, you know, we were an hour outside of the city, so it was kind of like small community light. You know, it wasn't like you were talking about in, in some of the things with where the rally was and whatnot. And, you know, there were kids and my kids' friends, like kids were committing suicide because yeah. they were LGBTQ. Like, it was awful. But, yeah, no Pride Parade. But we did have a Munchkin uh, Wizard of Oz Parade because... The guy who wrote Wizard of Oz was from Chesterton, Indiana. So every year, right past my house, marched the, okay, all of the living munchkins <laughs> were 20 feet outside of my front door. And all of the living munchkins, I think, was like, by the time we moved there, there were three, and then there was one by the time. Uh, sounds pretty gay. And they had Liza Minnelli, or was it? Oh, my God. So not it was like somebody who because Liza Minnelli was uh what's her face's daughter uh Judy Garland's daughter and somebody who costumed Liza Minnelli had all of Judy Garland's outfits and they display them in the town and it was it was kind of gay for a town that was very homophobic. <laughs> you know what? You know what's interesting is we're talking about these small towns and we're talking about you know like Moorhead being a tiny town and at the center of this controversy with. Kim Davis. One of the women that I met, we were talking about her friends who lived in Carter County, uh, the county where the rally had been held. And she, it was so interesting because she said, I'm always telling my friends, graduate high school and come to Moorhead. You'll be accepted in Moorhead. So for them, it is like one of the bigger cities. It is one of the places where you go to be accepted. And here I was thinking, like, here's this terrible backwards place. And I was so incredibly wrong. How does it feel, Mark, to know that you and your husband, Alan, are going to be a footnote in history of gay rights? First of all, it's, uh, it's a terrifying thought. Uh, I, to, like, maybe I'll remember that blog. Uh, for Alan, especially, it's terrifying because he certainly didn't want a lot of attention. I think it's really cool. I think it's something that I'll always be talking about. It's something that when I teach, I mention, I talk about, I teach psychology and I talk about it a lot. I think that what we did was really important and I'm really proud of it. I, I do want to point out that if there is a footnote and if we are a footnote in history, this incident, I think that the people who deserve the most credit are the people in Kentucky who were actually at the forefront. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. of doing this, uh, of uh, suing Kim Davis and trying to get their marriage licenses. Uh, Karen Roberts and April Miller and David Moore and David Ermold. Like, I never thought I'd be one of those people who'd be like, I have heroes, right? But those people, honestly, they are huge heroes of mine, uh, huge personal heroes because of all the work that they've done. And so if, if we are a footnote in history, I hope that people remember them, remember us to a lesser extent, and also remember about the fact that this was a time when people really came together and said, no, we're not going to settle for being second-class citizens. There was one thing that I wanted to, to ask you to sort of wrap this up. So we have a, a 16-year-old daughter, our youngest daughter, who is gay. What advice would you as a gay person give her if she wanted to get married in a smaller town like Moorhead? I would say, first of all, and fortunately it's going to be true, is that you really have to consider your personal safety. I know that one of the things that we were thinking about was uh, the fact that because there's so much media attention, we're, we're probably going to be fine. The other thing I would say is, like, absolutely go for it. I would say that getting married in a small town, you know, going to a place where you hadn't considered going and making your marriage not just, like, a special day for you, but also kind of a stand of, like, we belong everywhere and we exist and we're putting names to this and we're putting faces to this is just so important and it cannot be understated i absolutely think that more people should be doing it and according to the citizens of moorhead who i talked to they were like yes let's get the ratio even of people who come here to get married and see it as a wedding destination tell her to choose someplace really cute and small and then turn it into a major wedding destination the hot new trendy place nice nice (laughs) yeah I like that advice. Well, Mark, where can uh, people find you? I know you you've written stuff all over Jezebel and Uprocks, and yes, where can where can they read more about you? I need to get a website. I know RuPaul's always talking about Squarespace. I'm like, I need to get Squarespace. But you can contact me by email, m.schraber at gmail.com, or check out my Twitter, which is mschraber. And I am excited to talk to anyone and, uh, you know, connect with uh, you guys. Well, thank you, Mark. We really appreciate this. Uh, some insight that I think a lot of people will also glean a lot of good things off of. Right. And thank you so to, much. Yeah, I wanted to thank you personally as well just you've been an awesome awesome guest and thank you so much for putting up with the technical snafus <laughs> I, I this is so exciting i i don't get to do a lot of podcasts i'm really excited about this i'm really excited to be talking about uh morehead and gay rights which are so important right now and i i'm really excited that the tide seems to be shifting hopefully to more human rights more equality uh, as we continue kind of fighting the alt-right absolutely and mark schraber thank you so much for being our guest today on american sex thank you so much thanks for listening to american sex to keep up with ken and i we'll first make sure you watch our tv show sex with sunny megatron on showtime then visit sunnymegatron.com there you can learn more about us read our blog peruse our workshop calendar or hire us for what well either for private coaching or to book us to teach at your event or university or as sex and relationship writers for your publication oh and don't forget we're on social media too I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag SciChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.